Good morning. We're so glad that you've chosen to spend this morning with us. We're excited to be together today worshiping and praising God. He has amazing grace for us, and we are going to praise him for that now. So if you join with us in singing to him.
Heavenly Father, the Bible reminds us that we are more like morning glories than ancient redwood trees. You have created us for your pleasure, redeemed us by the gospel, and numbered our precious days. As our sovereign Father, how would you have us live between today and our last breath? What should matter more and less to us? By your word, spirit, and providence, lead us. Show us how to live, love, and be spent for your glory. Building bigger barns to hold more stuff doesn't hold the same attraction it used to for us, Father. We want to be rich towards you and spend the riches of grace on others. How should our heavenly hope shape our earthly choices? We are living in a pandemic of racism, hostility, and systemic brokenness. As followers of Jesus and citizens of your kingdom, what would you have us do, Father? With whom should we spend more heart-to-heart -heart time? Who do we need to forgive? Life is not about getting even, but giving grace. What missionaries, church planters, pastors, and ordinary Christians need our encouragement? Father, we are grateful that we are not going to merit anything by doing a better job with any of these things. It is Jesus' righteousness in which we boast and rest. But the gospel frees us to ask the right questions and live a freer, more eternity-influenced life. So we pray in Jesus' matchless and magnificent name. Amen. Tonight we are going to celebrate communion, and as we celebrate, I want to remind you of what communion is all about. Communion is about being able to come into the presence of God. Because Christ died on the cross for our sins, we now have access into the presence of our holy God. What joy we can now have because we can come freely into God's presence. There is now no barrier between us and God the Father because Christ died in our place. Let's rejoice in that fact as we participate in communion tonight. As we think about the body of Christ that was broken for us, I'll ask Mark Hewitt to come and pray for us. tonight. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the sacrifice you've made for us. We praise you, God, for your righteousness and your body broken for us, God. We praise you, God, for the light that you shined for us, God, in front of us. I pray, God, that we can stay strong in our faith in these troubled times. We thank you, Lord, that our church has opened up tonight. We praise you, God, for our pastors and their strength tonight. I pray, God, that we can continue to glorify your name through these troubled times. I pray, God, for the people that are nursing homes, the family can't visit. I just pray, God, they stay steadfast in their fate. Pray, God, that they'll be able to see their families again. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to be with you, to talk to you, to pray to you. I just pray, God, for just continued blessings on the church. And I pray, God, that... I just pray, God, that we can continue to be blessed in our finances, in our missions, in our missionaries. Give us strength to glorify your name. Give us the words to say to the people that don't believe. And we pray all these things in your most loving and kind name. Amen. It might take you a while to figure it out. Uh, that's okay. Uh, Whenever you get to it, that's good, okay? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
because we think about the blood that Jesus shed for us. I'll have Jonathan Jensen come and pray for us. You'd bow with me, please. Dear Lord, as we think about uh, the blood that you shed for us, Father, we, uh, we acknowledge Paul's words, Lord, that say, for me to live is you, and for me to die is Christ. Father, we, uh, we acknowledge, Father, right away that you are greater than COVID, you are greater than racism, and Lord, we, we know that you're greater because of the blood that you shed for us, Lord, while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And Lord, we thank you for this in your amazing name. Amen. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You can uh, keep these uh, things by your side. You can uh, throw them out as you exit tonight. Well, our scripture reading tonight is from Hebrews chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. And I'm going to be reading uh, Hebrews 9 verses 1 through 10. Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship in an earthly place for, of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded in the tables of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties, but into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself, and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. Amen. For the last 11 weeks, we have not been able to worship God in this sanctuary. It's like there's been a giant sign outside of our church building saying, access denied. You can't come in here. Today, it is my joy to say that access to the sanctuary is once again opened up. What a joy it is to see your faces and to worship together with you. What a tremendous blessing. Isn't it great? Isn't it wonderful to have access to this place once again? It is a blessing. After 11 weeks of social distancing because of the coronavirus, we now have access once again to our sanctuary where we can worship our great Jesus. It's great to be together once again. In the days of Moses, the old covenant was put into effect. This is called the first covenant in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1, which Pastor Travis just read. In those days, the people of Israel, they worshiped God in a beautiful tent that was called a tabernacle. But actually, very few people from Israel were allowed to go into that tabernacle. The people of Israel would bring their animals to be sacrificed, but they would be sacrificed outside of the tent. But then there was a, a heavy veil that was put up 
that was the entrance to the tabernacle. And the, only the priests from the tribe of Levi could go behind that veil. That veil said to the vast majority of people within Israel, access denied. You are not permitted access into the presence of the holy God. Only the priests from Levi, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, were allowed to enter into the tabernacle. No one else from Israel could go in there. But once the priest entered into the holy place in the tabernacle, they encountered another heavy veil behind that first veil. This second veil separated the holy place from what was called the most holy place. The most holy place where God was said to dwell. And there was only one priest, the high priest, who would be able to go behind that second veil into the most holy place one day a year. That second veil said to even the priests of Israel, access denied. You do not have access to the holy God. Church, do you want to know why Jesus is so great? Do you want to know why Jesus is so much of a better sacrifice than any of the sacrifices of the Old Covenant? Hebrews 9 will give us three reasons why Jesus is such a great sacrifice for us. But in order to see why Jesus is better, you have to understand something of the Old Covenant worship system. So let's worship Jesus tonight as our better sacrifice as we look at three reasons why he is better. First, Jesus is a better sacrifice because Old Covenant worship focused on an earthly place. We read about that earthly place in Hebrews 9 and verse 1. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. That earthly place is described in verse 2 of Hebrews 9. We read there that a, a tent was prepared. This tent was mobile, so it could be moved around as the people followed God's leading in the wilderness as they prepared to enter the promised land. This tent tabernacle had two sections or chambers to it that are described in verses 2 through 5 brought a picture with me today of the inside of the tabernacle. So I want us to look first at the outer part, the outer chamber, which is called the holy place that we read about in verse 2. The priest would enter into the holy place through the veil that we see on the right-hand side of the picture. The holy place was 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. On the back wall of the holy place, you see the, the gold table and the bread of the presence that was put on top of that table. The priests would, on a weekly basis, take 12 loaves of flat bread and put them on that table, and those 12 loaves represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Those loaves of bread faced the golden lampstand that is on the opposite wall across from the loaves. And as the light from that lampstand shined down upon those 12 loaves of bread, it was a symbol of God's favor and light and blessing on all 12 tribes of Israel. That's what was being communicated there in the tabernacle. Then beginning in verse 3, we read about the second chamber of the tabernacle, which is called the most holy place. In the picture, you can see that right in front of the curtain to the most holy place stands the golden altar of incense. That incense represents the prayers of God's people rising up before the throne of God. Incense is a picture of how sweet your prayers smell to God. Isn't that good to know? Your prayers smell sweet to God. He delights in them. And then also we see in this picture of the most holy place, a gold box inside the most holy place. 
which had within that box some of the manna that the Israelites ate while they were in the wilderness. It also had Aaron's rod within it, and then the Ten Commandments that were written on stone tablets. They were also carried within that Ark of the Covenant. Now, this Ark was the symbol of God's throne. God ruled the world and his people Israel from this Ark within his tabernacle. He ruled there from that physical location. God met also with his people in fellowship at this earthly location. God would speak to Moses as the representative of the Israelites by the cherubim of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, some of you learned all about the Ark of the Covenant when you watched the old Harrison Ford movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Some of us would rather watch the movie than read the book. Now, believe it or not, not everything that the movie said about the Ark of the Covenant is entirely true. Shocking, right? Movies do not always give us the full truth about what the Bible teaches. But one thing that this movie did get right is it showed what would happen if a human being actually touched the Ark. In the Bible, a man named Uzzah touched the Ark of the Covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Do you remember what happened to him? He died immediately. God is far more holy than we could even imagine. And so in the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, when a man opened up the Ark of the Covenant, do you remember what happened to him at the end of the movie? He also died immediately. In fact, his entire face melted in the presence of God. When human beings tried to enter into the presence of God under the old covenant worship system, the consistent message of God to those human beings was this. Access denied. You are not holy enough to come in to my presence. Another way that God communicated this message of access denied was through the cherubim angels that were found there in the tabernacle. We have seen that the cherubim angels were at the top of the Ark of the Covenant box. They were there. But they were not only there, they were also embroidered into the heavy veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. There were embroidered cherubim that the priests would see. Seeing those cherubim would have reminded the priests of the first time the cherubim are mentioned in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3. After Adam and Eve had sinned, God banished them from his presence in the Garden of Eden. And then God placed a guard in front of the Garden of Eden so that the sinful Adam and Eve could never again come into the presence of God. Do you know who that guard was in Genesis chapter 3 that protected the Garden of Eden, or rather protected Adam and Eve from trying to enter it? Do you remember who the guard was? It was cherubim. Those frightening angels held flashing swords that said to Adam and Eve, keep out, access denied. You are not allowed to enter into the presence of holy God. Those cherubim had a loud, a loud and clear message for Adam and Eve. Access denied. The same message of access denied was communicated by the layout of the tabernacle tent. Ordinary Israelites had no access to God. There was one restriction after another, one veil after another that prevented the people from trying to approach God. So only one Israel would actually ever be able to come into the presence of God, the high priest. And he only had access to God one day out of the year, the Day of Atonement. And he had access only at this one earthly location, the tabernacle. So church, let me ask you a question. 
How has Jesus changed all of this for the better? What has Jesus done for us by dying for our sins on the cross? Let's read together what Jesus has done for us from the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50, Jesus dies. Let's see what happens next in Matthew 27 and verse 51, and let's read together what happened. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Do you see what Jesus has done for us? Do you see what has happened? Because Jesus died on the cross for your sin, he has turned this message of access denied into a new message, a message of access permitted. You now have full and free access to God wherever you are because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus Christ, your Savior. Isn't that great? Isn't that amazing? You can now come into God's presence wherever you are. There is no veil anymore separating you from God. You can now go anytime, anywhere, into the presence of God. Why? Because Christ died on the cross for your sins. Because Christ sacrificed himself, the holy God is now your loving Father. You can now climb into his lap and ask him for whatever help you need. Jesus is a better sacrifice than all of the sacrifices of the Old Covenant. We can now go into the presence of God wherever we are and whatever we need. Well, Jesus is a better sacrifice also because Old Covenant worship focused on an earthly priest. Old Covenant worship said that only a few priests could get somewhat close to God in the tabernacle. Old Covenant worship then focused on this earthly priest descended from the tribe of Levi. We read in verse 6 of chapter 9 that the priests go regularly into the first section, the holy place, performing their ritual duties. The emphasis in this verse is on the word regularly, which means repeatedly. The priest's work was never done because animal sacrifices could not bring about full and final forgiveness from God. So every day the priest did the same thing over and over again to bring about a very temporary forgiveness until the next time that the worshiper sinned, then another animal would have to be slaughtered. This was the work of ordinary priests. Then in verse 7, we look at the work of the high priest. In that verse, we see that only the one high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. So how often did the high priest have access to God? One day a year. That was it. Otherwise, the veil in front of the Holy of Holies gave this message to the high priest. Access denied. You can't come in here. Now, why was access denied even to the high priest, to the best person in Israel, theoretically? Because even the high priest was a sinner. He needed a sacrifice for his own sins, as well as for the sins of all of the people before he could dare to enter the presence of our holy God. It was because of the sinful nature of even the high priest that God gave this particular message to Moses in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 2. Let's read that verse together out loud. Tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark 
so that he may not die, for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. Moses' brother Aaron was the high priest, and the message to Aaron was, you can only come once a year, and you need to come with blood. So let me ask you honestly, would you have wanted the job of high priest? Nah, me either. <laughs> I would not have wanted that job. This is a dangerous job. If you do not follow God's commands to the letter, what's going to happen to you? You die. And this message was given to the number one priest in all of Israel. Even the most holy of people did not have a holiness that was near good enough for God. So the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies only one day a year with the blood of a sacrifice. And I'm sure that when he entered into the Holy of Holies, his knees were knocking, his mouth was dry, and he was counting the seconds until he could be done with his duty. He was rightfully afraid of coming into the presence of the holy God. So what is the author of Hebrews' point in talking about the earthly high priest that Israel had, that Israel relied on to bring the people forgiveness? Here's what he's saying. If even the high priest could not come into the presence of God whenever he wanted, is this really who you want to be representing you? Is this who you are going to rely on to bring you forgiveness from God? This sinful high priest. Does that make any sense, the author is saying. Verse 8 is saying it's not a good idea to rely on an earthly priest to bring you forgiveness. The fact that the high priest had his access denied to God 364 days of the year indicates that the way into the holy place is not yet opened, according to verse 8, as long as the first section is still standing. As long as the old covenant worship system operated, people could only meet with God once a year, and that through the mediation of a high priest. But what has changed now that Christ has come and sacrificed himself on the cross for us? We learned last week in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 13 that the old covenant and its worship system is now obsolete. I no longer need to rely on an old covenant priest in order to have access to God. Instead, if I rely on Jesus, my heavenly high priest, I can come into the presence of God, not just one day a year. I can now come into the presence of God 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. That's what I have because of Christ. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? So now when I hear something or see something scary on the news, you know what I can do? I can talk to the almighty, completely holy God right away. I can come into his presence as soon as I get afraid. And when I have access to God permitted, I don't have to come to God with my knees knocking in fear. Instead, I can approach God in the way the author of Hebrews wrote about in Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Let's read that verse together to remind us of how we can approach God. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because Jesus has opened up for us access to God. We don't have to approach God with terror. I can now approach God with 
confidence. I know that God loves me because my Savior died for me. I know that God wants to hear my prayers. So I tell him what is on my heart because Jesus was sacrificed for me. Jesus is my heavenly high priest, and he is so much better a priest than anyone else. Finally, Jesus is a better sacrifice because old covenant worship focused on an earthly sacrifice. What was the result of the old covenant worship system, which sacrificed animals for the sins of the people? We read the result in verses 9 and 10. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. So do you know what animal sacrifices could not do? Those sacrifices absolutely could not deal with our guilty conscience. The guilt would remain even after the animal sacrifice was made. Why? Because an animal sacrifice cannot bring about the full forgiveness of sins. If you want full forgiveness and the removal of guilt from your life, you need the sacrifice of a spotless human being not the sacrifice of a spotless animal. Jesus was that one spotless man that God himself provided for us, who brought us full forgiveness through his death on the cross. But under the old covenant system of worship, all of those earthly sacrifices, those animal sacrifices, they merely pointed forward to the time of Reformation, according to verse 10. The time of Reformation is the time of the new covenant brought in by our Savior, Jesus. It's the time when Christ's death on the cross for our sins brought us full forgiveness. It's the time when Jesus finally removed all of our guilt from us. Surveys in this country consistently show that the younger you are, the less likely you are to have any kind of religious faith. When young people today are asked about what religious faith they belong to, many will indicate none. Belief in God in our country seems to be going away. But do you know what is not going away? Guilt. People still feel guilty, even if they do not believe in God. Of course, these days, people are far more likely to feel guilty about cheating on their diet than they are about cheating on their spouse. But the guilt remains. The conscience of people these days is not clear. The good news of Christianity is this. Jesus Christ came into the world to free us from our guilt. By his sacrifice on the cross, he has brought us full forgiveness and freedom from guilt. A few years ago, two performing artists created an exhibit at a storefront in Manhattan that allowed passersby to alleviate their guilt. The two women dressed up as 19th century washerwomen and they sat in the storefront. One wrote on the glass, air your dirty laundry, 100% confidential, anonymous, free. So the people who were walking by that window were encouraged to write their deepest, darkest secrets on a piece of paper. The washerwomen actresses would then collect those pieces of paper, those confessions, and put them on the window for all to see. Here is some of what the people confessed. The hermit crab was still alive when I threw it down the trash chute. 
And others said, I want to see SUVs explode. Those people who buy those cars are so selfish. Another said, I make fun of this one friend behind her back all the time. She just enrages me. But I get freaked out when I think about what she might be saying about me. Another said, I have not yet visited my dead parents' grave. And another wrote, I am dating a married man and getting financial compensation in exchange for the guilt. I'm 25 and he's a millionaire. It pays to be young. One of the actresses in this storefront window, Laura Barnett, said that the onlookers who read these confessions are often overwhelmed at the weight of other people's sin. Barnett said, we go there and the window is empty and we're wearing all white. At the end, the window is full of people's confessions. It's exhausting. Some of these things are really, really sad. And afterward, I need to take a bath. Church, do you want to know why Jesus is a better sacrifice for sin than any other sacrifice? Because Jesus can actually do something about your guilt. His sacrifice can actually wash away your guilt. It can wash away your sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Trusting that Jesus died on the cross for my sins can remove your guilt and make you completely clean. No other sacrifice but the sacrifice of Christ can wash away your guilty stains. For many years, the people of God wanted access to God. But every time the people of the Old Covenant tried to get near to God, they got the same message. Access denied. But when Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, the message for God's people changed. Access permitted. We can now confidently draw near to God because of the better sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So don't be afraid. Come near to God with whatever need that you have. Your God will not deny you. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you can now approach God anytime, anywhere. Let's pray together. God, how we thank you for the better sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that Jesus has come to bring us full and final forgiveness. How grateful we are for this forgiveness. Father, I ask for those who are afraid tonight, afraid to come into your presence. Reassure them and remind them that because of Jesus, sins can be completely forgiven. People can now come into your presence because Christ is a better sacrifice. In your great name we pray. Amen. Well, whether you are here in the church building with us or you're watching this from your couch today, uh, whether you are uh, walking in a land that is plentiful or you're in a desert place today, we have an awesome God who is with us always, who has a great name and we are going to praise him by saying, blessed be your name. So if you would stand with us and sing out.
about the benediction. For years and years, the people of God wanted to get close to God. They wanted access to this God. But they were always told access denied. The message of the gospel is access granted. You now have access to God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Come then, come before your Father. Rejoice to come whenever you want and whenever you need him. Amen.